Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I am wonderful, and I pray that you are too. It is, um, let's see now, Sunday is New Year's. Isn't this amazing? Tomorrow is New Year's Eve in the secular world because our New Year began with the first day of Advent. That is the New Year of the liturgical year. But this is the secular New Year, and I know that in the new calendar, It is the Feast of the Holy Mother of God. In the traditional calendar, it has always been the Feast of the Circumcision, which is what we celebrate. And so, um, because I won't be with you over the weekend, um, I wanted to read you a little bit about the Feast of the Circumcision, because in the Old Covenant, that is how one became a son, became uh, part of the covenant given to Abraham and the Hebrews, uh, and ever since then, uh, our Lord was born under the old covenant and was circumcised, um, and that's the first blood He shed for us. Um, so let me read a little bit from Dom Garanger. We will take your calls, your texts, your emails today, with whatever is on your heart. Um, and the toll-free number to call if you want to call ahead, but we're going to wait a little bit before we start taking your calls. But the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483. You may text at that number yet. I say yet because toward the end of this month, you won't be able to text the program any longer. There's a change in uh, the, the programming equipment, or I'm not sure what it is, Um, but you'll always be able to leave a message on Facebook. Um, And the email uh, is mother at thestationofthecross.com. Dom Garanger, who wrote in the 1800s, who is a magnificent Benedictine, and we are Benedictines, He has the 15-volume set, which I highly recommend for those who follow the, uh, the old calendar, the traditional calendar, um, called the liturgical year, uh, season by season, truly wonderful. And each time we come to a new season, he gives the history of the season, the mystery of the season, what, how to practice your faith during the season, and then all the special feast days and saint days. It's truly wonderful. For the Feast of the Circumcision, um, which is the octave also of Christmas Day, our newborn King and Savior is eight days old today, and that'll be Sunday. Eight days old, the Feast of the Circumcision. A Jewish child was to be circumcised on the eighth day, eighth day, and our Lord was. The star that guides the Magi is advancing toward Bethlehem, and five days hence we'll be standing over the stable where our Jesus is being nursed by his mother 
Today the Son of Man is to be circumcised. His first sacrifice of his innocent flesh must honor the eighth day of his mortal life. Today also a name, capital N, a name is to be given him. On the Feast of the Circumcision, he would also receive his name. The name will be Jesus, and it means Savior. So that mysteries abound on this day, let us not pass one of them over, but honor them with all possible devotion and love. Oh, dear ones, don't you wish this were coming from one of our pastors today? Dom Geringer continues, but this day is not exclusively devoted to the circumcision of Jesus. The mystery of this circumcision forms part of that other great mystery, the incarnation and infancy of our Savior, a mystery on which the Church fixes her heart not only during this octave, but during the whole 40 days of Christmas tide. What are 40 days of Christmas tide? From Christmas Eve right through to Candle Mass, the Feast of the Purification. Then, as regards our Lord's receiving the name of Jesus, a special feast, which we shall soon be keeping, is set apart in honor of it. There is another object that shares the love and devotion of the faithful on this great solemnity. This object is Mary, the Mother of God. The Church celebrates today the august prerogative of this divine maternity, which was conferred on a mere creature and made her the cooperatrix with Jesus in the great work of man's salvation. The Holy Church of Rome used formally to say, two masses on the 1st of January. One was for the octave of Christmas Day. The other was in honor of Mary. She now unites the two intentions in one sacrifice in the same manner um, as in the rest of this day's office. She unites together the acts of her adoration of the Son and the expressions of her admiration for and confidence in the Mother. The Greek Church does not wait for this eighth day in order to pay her tribute of homage um, to her who has given us our Emmanuel. She consecrates to Mary the first day after Christmas. That is December 26th and calls it the Synaxis of the Mother of God, making the two days one continued feast. She is thus obliged to defer the feast of St. Stephen to December 27th. But it is today that we, the children of the Roman Church, today meaning January 1st, must pour forth all the love of our hearts for the Virgin Mother and rejoice with her in the exceeding happiness she feels at having given birth to her and our Lord. During Advent, we contemplated her as pregnant with the world's salvation. We proclaimed the glory of that ark of the new covenant, whose chaste womb was the earthly paradise chosen by the king of ages for his dwelling place. Now she has brought him forth, the infant God. She adores him, him who is her son. She has the right to call him her child, and he, God as he is, calls her in strictest truth his mother. Oh, beloved, 
I wish we would all absorb this and take this in. So when it comes to New Year's Eve, um, we're living in the secular world. There's nothing wrong with celebrating the beginning of the secular New Year and blowing whistles or wearing hats. But this is so much greater. And if you're home with your children and learn what this is, let us not be surprised, Dom Geringer says. Therefore, at the enthusiasm and profound respect wherewith the Church extols the Blessed Virgin and her prerogatives, let us, on the contrary, be convinced that all the praise the Church can give her and all the devotion she can ever bear toward her are far below what is due her as Mother of the Incarnate God. Do you hear that, Protestants? Do you hear that? Even Catholics who think we give too much worship to Mary, we do not. The word worship uh, came from two words, worth-ship. It is, as the scriptures say, to give honor uh, that is due to, a, to one, to a person. Dom Geringer continues, No mortal will ever be able to describe or even comprehend how great a glory accrues to her from this sublime dignity. For as the glory of Mary comes from her being the mother of God, and people say, how could she be the mother of God if God created her? God created her and, um, and put within her, um, uh, through the Holy Spirit, the very seed that would become, uh, that he would take. He didn't become, he always existed. Jesus Christ is God. But he would take flesh and blood from the Virgin Mary and condescend to become one of us while never giving up his godhood. 100% God, 100% man. As the glory of Mary comes from her being the mother of God, one would have first to comprehend God himself in order to measure the greatness of her dignity. It is to God that Mary gave our human nature. It is God whom she had as her child. You see, well, she didn't have God. She didn't have the Trinity. No, she had the Son, who is the Son of God and God the Son. Jesus is God. <clears throat> she gave birth to God. It is God who gloried in rendering himself inasmuch as he is man subject to her. Hence, the true value of such a dignity possessed by a mere creature can only be appreciated in proportion to our knowledge of the sovereign perfections of the great God who thus deigns to make himself independent upon that favored creature. <clears throat> Let us therefore bow down in deepest adoration before the majesty of our God in that little crib, beloved. Let us therefore acknowledge that we cannot respect as it deserves the extraordinary dignity of her whom he chose for his mother. Ah, the books of the world could not contain all that God has done. The Apostle John said that. We're never going to ever truly know what God has done, who he really is, who Mary really is. Um, until we're in heaven, and I don't think we'll even understand it then, dear ones, because we remain creatures. We'll know as we are known. Um, and no more mystery, no more veil, but uh, we will remain creatures, and God remains God. 
There's the music for our first break. Dear ones, we'll be right back after the break and take your calls, your texts, and emails following the second break. Our toll-free number is one 511 5483 We'll be right back. beloved this is mother miriam host of mother miriam live like the catholic current and the many other programs that originate from the station of the cross divine mercy in my soul is all about the messages that jesus revealed to saint faustina it is aired every sunday morning at 11 eastern and tuesday nights at 8 p.m or you can listen anytime to divine mercy in my soul on the i catholic radio mobile app The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTagg, your daily host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for a special episode. I'll ask the question, who needs another new year? We'll be talking about letting God give us a victory that can heal and perfect our past, present, and future. And that's a lot more interesting than ginning up New Year's resolutions that no one's going to keep anyway. Don't miss out. Join us on The Catholic Current on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam, and I am live, and I'm thrilled to be with you. And because this is Friday, uh, the Friday before uh, January 1, which is our secular new year, and the Feast of the Mother of God, and the in the old calendar, the Feast of the Circumcision, um, we are reading from Don Garanger's, Don Garanger's um, The Liturgical Year. And he combines the two. Such honor should be given to the one who bore uh, the child. Um, and uh, his his writing is is just so magnificent. And you can look it up online, the liturgical year, Dom Garanger, and you'll see the whole year there. And I just clicked on Christmas, and then I'm reading to you from, from this season. He says, the same sublime mystery overpowers that is the dignity of her who god chose for his mother the same sublime mystery overpowers the mind from another point of view what were the feelings of such a mother toward such a son 
The child she holds in her arms and presses to her heart is the fruit of her virginal womb, and she loves him as her own. She loves him because she is his mother, and a mother loves her child as herself, nay, more than herself. But when she thinks upon the infinite majesty of him who has thus given himself to her to be the object of her love and her fond caresses, she trembles in her humility, and her soul has to turn in order to bear up against the overwhelming truth to the other thought of the nine months she held this babe in her womb and of the filial smile he gave her when her eyes first met his. These two deep-rooted feelings of a creature that adores and of a mother that loves are in Mary's heart. To be mother of God implies all this, and may we not well say that no pure creature could be exalted more than she, and that in order to comprehend her dignity, we should first have to comprehend God himself, and that only God's infinite wisdom could plan such a work, and only his infinite power accomplish it. A mother of God, it is the mystery whose fulfillment the world without knowing it was awaiting for 4,000 years. It is the work which, in God's eyes, was incomparably greater than that of the creation of a million new worlds, for such a creation would cost him nothing. He has but to speak, and all whatsoever he wills is made. But that a creature should become mother of God, he has had not only to suspend the laws of nature by making a virgin mother, but also to put himself in a state of dependence upon the happy creature he chose for his mother. He had to give her rights over himself and contract the obligation of certain duties toward her. He had to make her his mother and himself her son. It follows from all this that the blessings of the Incarnation for which we are indebted to the love wherewith the divine word loved us, may and ought to be referred, though in an inferior degree, to Mary herself. If she be the mother of God, it is because she consented to it. For God vouchsafed not only to ask her consent, but moreover to make the coming of his son into this world depend upon her giving it. As this his son, the eternal word, spoke his fiat over chaos, and the answer to his word was creation, so did Mary use the same word fiat, that is, let it be done unto me. She said God heard her word, and immediately the Son of God descended into her virginal womb. After God then, it is to Mary, his ever-blessed mother, that we are indebted for our Emmanuel. The divine plan, the divine plan for the world's salvation included the existence of a mother of God. And as heresy sought to deny the mystery of the incarnation, it equally sought to deny the glorious prerogative of Mary. Nestorius asserted that Jesus was only man, 
Mary, consequently, was not the mother of God, but merely mother of a man called Jesus. This impious doctrine roused the indignation of the Catholic world. The East and West united in proclaiming that Jesus was God and man in unity of person, and that Mary, being his mother, was, in strict truth, mother of God. Diepera and Theotokos are the respective Latin and Greek terms. This victory over Nestorianism was one at the Council of Ephesus. It was hailed by the Christians of those times with an enthusiasm of faith which not only proved the tender love they had for the mother of Jesus, but was sure to result in the setting up of some solid trophy that would perpetuate the memory of the victory. It was then that the pious custom began in both the Greek and Latin churches of united uniting during Christmas the veneration due the mother with the supreme worship given to the son. The day assigned for the united commemoration <clears throat> varied in the several countries, but the sentiment of religion which suggested the feast was one and the same throughout the entire church. The holy pope um, Sixtus III ordered an immense mosaic to be worked into the chancel ark of the Church of St. Mary Major in Rome as a monument to the Holy Mother of God. The mosaic still exists, bearing testimony as to what was the faith held in the 5th century. It represents the various scriptural types of our um, of Our Lady, and the inscription of the Holy Pontiff is still legible in its bold letter, and the translation is Sixtus Bishop to the People of God. For the saint had dedicated to the faithful this his offering to Mary, the Mother of God. Special chants were also composed at Rome <clears throat> for the celebration of the great mystery of the Word made man through Mary, sublime responsories and antiphons accompanied by appropriate music were written to serve the church and her children as the expression of their faith. There was no Protestantism then, beloved. It was all Catholic, all Catholic. They are the ones we now use. Those antiphons, the music, um, the responsories, they are the ones we use now. They are the ones the church has used for 2,000 years. The Greek church makes use of some of these very antiphons for the Christmas solemnity, so that with regard to the mystery of the incarnation, there is not only unity of faith, there is also oneness of devotional sentiment. Oh, I tell you, beloved if you're in the Novus Ordo and you've never experienced not just the Latin Mass, but the entire liturgical year, you are missing an immense, immense treasure. You are missing the reverence due to God. You are. You say, come on, Mother, just because it's your preference, that doesn't mean we're missing the reverence due to God. I tell you, you are. You are. Um... 
there's no novus. I entered the church in the novus order with a magnificent, holy priest of God, Father James T. O'Connor, Monsignor James T. O'Connor, upstate New York, in Millbrook, the Church of St. Joseph. I love him. He's no longer alive on the earth. I absolutely love him. I'll be eternally grateful for him. Uh, beautiful, beautiful priest. But I will tell you, and a, and a reverent Novus Ordo, but it doesn't touch the reverence of the age-old church, of the Latin, of the of the mass of the ages, of the reverence. Um, the mass is not about us, beloved, not about our singing, not about all the chants are good, hymns are good, but it's not about us. We go to worship the one who has given his life for us. The first mass, it has been said, was at the Last Supper when our Lord Jesus, the last Passover supper, the last supper of the old covenant, which became the first mass of the new covenant, where our Lord held himself in his hands and took up matzah, wheat and water, unleavened bread, and said, this is my body. And just as if, just not as if, just as when he said to the creation, yet in chaos, let there be light, and there was. He said, this is my body, and it became so. Bread obeyed, wine obeyed, and became his body and blood. He speaks, he creates by his word. Now, the mass is Calvary, the once-for-all sufficient sacrifice of Christ. Calvary brought through time down on, through the words of the consecrated, the consecration of a priest down on the altar. He doesn't suffer again. He doesn't die again. The once-for-all sacrifice of Christ is brought through time, 2,000 years, down on every altar. And we, who in effect crucified him because he died for our sins, can crawl up on that cross with him and offer ourselves through him, with him, in him to the Father. Now, if now that we love him, if God allowed us to go back 2,000 years and be at the foot of Calvary, and instead of uh, crying out with that uh, misguided uh, um, Jewish nation crucify him. But now that we've come by his grace to love him, if we were at the foot of Calvary to worship him, to offer ourselves with him, through him, with him, and in him, who is giving his life for us, would we be singing Kambaya or on eagle's wings or doing anything? We'd be on our face. We would be worshiping him and we would be silent. If you want a taste of that, come to the Latin Mass. There is often on a high Mass a scola, singing or chanting, reverent, appropriate music. No guitars, no ukuleles, no modern stuff that has little to do with the sacrifice of Christ. Um, I don't speak to the ignorance of people or their intentions. But I speak to the reality that God has allowed me to discover. And how could I discover it and keep it to myself without telling you? Uh, there's the music, dearest, for our second break. Um, you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email 
at mother at thestationofthecross.com and we'll be right back. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 30th. Today we celebrate Saint Egwin. Unless you're especially informed about Benedictine bishops who established monasteries in medieval England, you're probably not familiar with today's saint. Born of royal blood in the 7th century, Egwin entered a monastery and was enthusiastically received by royalty, clergy, and the people as Bishop of Worcester, England. As a bishop, he was known as a protector of orphans and the widowed and a fair judge. His popularity didn't hold up among members of the clergy, however. They saw him as overly strict, while he felt he was simply trying to correct abuses and impose appropriate disciplines. Bitter resentments arose, and Egwin made his way to Rome to present his case to Pope Constantine. The case against Egwin was examined and annulled. Upon his return to England, he founded Evesham Abbey, which became one of the great Benedictine houses of medieval England. It was dedicated to Mary, who had reportedly made it known to Egwin just where a church should be built in her honor. He died at the Abbey on December 30, 717. Following his burial, many miracles were attributed to Egwin's intercession. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. had been going through crisis little by little we just found ourselves drifting completely away I was afraid to go back I mean I cried the first time I received the sacraments again cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again it's united our family there's peace in our home that we didn't have before if you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason visit catholicscomehome.org today Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live, we are here, we're grateful to God, and this is our half hour all to ourselves. Our lines are wide open, and you're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Uh, Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can still text at that toll-free number as well. We have our brother Angelo from Ohio, who's been very patiently waiting online. Hi, Angelo. Hi, Mother Miriam. Hi. Thanks for calling back. I, I, rem- I, I remember was reminded that you were cut off, uh, I think, uh, at the, uh, with your last call because it was the end of the program. Yes. Yeah, so last Thursday, um, I got in just at the very end, and you had given me some brief but yet good advice to begin a novena to Our Lady Seat of Wisdom. Oh, and uh, so that was last Thursday. So today I'm calling you because today is my final day of the novena, and I have been praying it 
faithfully every day. I will pray it uh, shortly uh, this early morning or late morning, early afternoon to complete it on the discernment. Um, but you had also said uh, if I wanted to call back and expound upon a little bit about the scenario as I'm getting set to make, uh, you know, this sort of decision um, to feel free to call back. So um, I will try to be as brief as possible. I, I'm someone who is good or been gifted from God with the creative kind of skills, communication, uh, written word, you know, creative things. And, and I want to use those things for good. I'm a lifelong Catholic. Uh, my wife joined the church several years ago through RCIA. Our son of two was baptized and, you know, all that stuff. So I want to try to do uh, the right thing and use my, you know, gifts as possible um, for good. So sort of been toggling, but I only have the in, amount of time and money to sort of pursue one endeavor at this point. And the, the trouble I've had is the discerning of kind of which one to go with. So the one yes, that I have, now I recall you had two situations, but I, I don't think you had time to tell me what they were. Right. So basically, one is is outright a religious, it's a faith-based, uh, uh, a book idea, um, and it touches on uh, basically exploring the four special liturgical seasons and how we can uh, carry on the spirit of those throughout the year, even after the seasons are over. So it's, it's outrightly, you know, faith-based. Another one is not faith-based, but is is what I believe would be helpful for today's society as kids enjoy playing a lot of, you know, co collectible and card games, but most of those have very uh, evil and nefarious things that parents don't know about and maybe even the kids don't know about and they get wrapped up into them, not for that reason, but they end up being exposed to it. So I have come up with um, a fun game that friends, family, anybody could play that involves instead of fantasy-based warfare which everything seems to be these days it involves animals and building bridges and trying to see which ones can race across before you're you're you know the person you're playing so nothing faith-based however rooted in my idea of faith of trying to put um something good out and and the third one is more of a written thing as well and it's sort of it's not directly faith-based as the first one but again inspired more kind of fables uh that illustrate the goodness of of what we should be striving for in the world and and uh, you know human emotion and inspiration. So, to and me, what they would all that have, be? What would that What would that third one be? The third one would be like a collection of like three or four, uh, you know, sort of short story prose, you know, uh, uh, stories, kind of in a in a fable or parable sort of way. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, you know, a so those are the three, and so. To, you know, depending on how you look at it, you could see if the first one, you know, being the most obvious answer in a way because it is directly faith-based. However, the other two, I feel, have, have merit as well because while not being directly, you know, writing about the faith, are trying to put good out there and reach people. So mm -hmm. that's why I've had this trouble of discernment is because I feel kind of the need for all three in today's world, but I just don't know which one I should spend. Like I said, you know, being a parent of a two-year-old and, and a husband and, you know, both working and everything, there's only so much time and money to devote towards one sort of creative Well, project. I tell you, one of the three got in my heart right away. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is just now, or I don't know if I should tell you ever, but um, how did your wife feel about you, these three uh, desires of yours and you're doing any of them? 
Yeah, I mean, she she's supportive. She is not as uh, her. She's creative in other ways, not necessarily in this way of like writing books or you know coming up with games. No, but no. her attitude toward your focusing on this and taking the time to do it. How how does she respond to that? She's realized it's an important thing to me, and the fact you know, yes, you like to make. You know, of course, sales and stuff off, but she sees that the number one thing that I want to do is put something good out there because I feel like there needs to be more good added. Not that there's nothing added, but that's clear. That's clear. Um, How does she, what's her attitude toward it in terms of how it might take you away from her, your son, the family, any of that? Is she concerned? No, I don't think so much because I'm I'm pretty good. There's a couple of pockets throughout the day where I'm sort of have have some time. Like um, if she works a little bit later and our child's already asleep, I've got some uninterrupted pocket time that I'm going to devote that time. Okay. Can you tell me what your two jobs are, Angelo? What work do you do and what work does your wife do? And do either of you work from home? I... um, do both work from home and not i'm a i'm a sports and uh like a local community features editor for a local newspaper and then i also coach youth a uh, variety of youth soccer and then my wife is an athletic trainer at a high school all right now in your two do you get paid for both your jobs yes as you get paid for being a coach uh how many hours does that make you work a week total with both jobs the coaching is out of season, so like right now, because it's soccer, so it's a fall sport primarily, and a little bit in the spring. So right now, I may, I have the extra t- a little extra time because the coaching is not going on. That won't start till maybe. And late how many March hours in your April. other job? How many hours in your other job? Um. Well, it's I basically will go cover a handful of like high school, say basketball games. So those are like I don't know an hour and a half, two hours, and then right write the story mm-hmm. and I'm a pretty fast writer so it's probably it only Doesn't, ends up probably being like hour wise for mine since I'm more with our son you know maybe like five to ten hours a week yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and your wife is an athletic coach for a high school athletic trainer so she like oversees like try to make sure the kids are all healthy from injuries and rehab their injuries or prevent and their how many hours a week does she put in hers is like a full you know like 40, 40 hours to 45 mm-hmm. hours yeah so you are more with your son than your wife is that true well yeah the nice thing though is we're both a uh, second shift so we have like this entire morning and early afternoon until she would go to work where we're both with our son every day well, you know, my concern is, Angelo, that your work takes very little time. And um, it'll take more time in the sports season, obviously. And your wife is working much more than you. Um, and God has designed the family for the wife to be home. Before your creative, I know this is not why you called in, before your creative projects, as you call them, your responsibility is to be the breadwinner, not your wife. 
not you and your wife, if it doesn't have to be. You're a healthy man. You can look for other work in addition to what you're doing or instead of what you're doing and support your family. This is your number one vocation as a husband, Angelo, is to support your family and let your wife stay home and and begin to homeschool her son now at two years of age. That is God's design. It's not God's design for your wife to be off working and not be home with your son, even though you're both with him during the day. Your vocation is to be a husband, to be the breadwinner, to um, protect your family, um, and to do everything you can to keep your wife at home, that she can properly be with your son, and not, you're not babysitting him, you're raising him. A little two-year-old needs his mother full time. Not simply that he's watched by his mother or father or loved by his mother or father. A two-year-old needs his mother full-time. Your wife needs to come home, and you need to get work that's going to support your family. Now, these other projects are fine. I'll tell you I particularly like the fable one, the third one myself, because they're stories that teach goodness and truth. I like that. Um, And as far as... uh, how to Keep the Seasons Going, you could look at the Liturgical Year by Dom Garanger, Fish Eaters on the web, um, the old uh, website of Women for Faith and Family, all kinds of traditions to keep the Catholic faith going seasonally, recreationally, creatively throughout the entire year. I like the one with the fables that teach the truths of God. However, uh, this must not be first on your mind, Angelo. Your wife needs to come home, and you need to be the husband supporting the family and letting her be home full-time, not watching your baby, but raising him and keeping a home beautiful. Um, That's my response, Angelo. I know it's beyond why you called, but that's why I was asking you all those questions. No, I I appreciate the response, and ultimately that is our plan, um, and there's been times it's been close. The thing is, especially in today's economy, like a few of the positions I had found, it didn't make sense uh, yeah, as, from a fi- financial standpoint to, to swap um, full-time positions for, for a fraction of the amount. So basically, that is both of our goals. It, just, it can't be your goal. It, You're married. You have to do it. You have to find full, don't let it be a plan. Don't waste the formative years of your little son. It needs to happen now. Go get a job at the post office. Don't worry about your gifts. Get a job where you can support your wife and baby full-time, Angelo. If you have to stop writing, stop writing. If you have to do that as a sideline, do it. But go get a job full-time and support your family. Or find a way to grow your own vegetables and cut your costs so you can work part-time and support your family. But bring your wife home. Well, thank you for the uh, information and a blessed uh, New Year to you. I can tell you're not happy with it, Angelo. But this is the last day of your novena to Our Lady of Wisdom. Ask her to help you. 
All right. And thank you. Wisdom. All right, honey. Right, bye-bye. Well, I can certainly tell Angelo is not happy with the response, but see, men, you have a responsibility before God of being the breadwinner, of caring for your family, and you don't let anything come before it, not creative projects or anything. And if your wife is out working, and it's because you don't work full time, you've, you've made the wrong choice. Your wife needs to be home, especially if you have children. Um, Children don't need babysitters. They need parents to form them in the faith and the knowledge and the love of God. And they don't do that by switching uh, shifts in watching children. Um, There's the music for our final break, beloved. Um, uh, We'll be back right after the break. We'll have about 10 minutes. You're welcome to call in again with anything on your heart or text. Uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We'll be right back. in the First Amendment. Freedom of speech. Freedom of religion. Freedom of the press. Freedom to peacefully assemble. Freedom to petition the government. Only the United States has these five freedoms so simply bound together and guaranteed. Think first. Learn more at thinkfirstamendment.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, 
beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes. Still time for you to call in. Uh, Toll free with anything whatsoever on your heart. I may give you an answer like I did to Angela that you didn't desire, but I'm always going to tell you what what I think and I believe. It doesn't make me right. But I'm always going to be truthful with you. So the family, there's nothing more important to me, uh, I think, and nothing more important to God than the family. It's the his design to build his kingdom. And children are not to be raised by anyone but a mother and father. It's unheard of in throughout the whole old covenant and the new that mothers would not be there to raise their children. Can you imagine Mary going off and letting Joseph raise Jesus because she had other jobs or women's night out or anything like that? It's unheard of. It's unthinkable. Um, so, Angelo, I know you're disappointed uh, in my, my response, but um, I beg fathers, live your vocation. Be heroic men of God. Um, lay down your life for your wife and your family as Christ laid down his life for the church. Uh, We have an email from Brian and his wife Edith, and Brian writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. Five years ago, I converted to the Catholic Church. Shortly prior to my conversion, I received an annulment for two previous marriages by the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and was able to marry in the Catholic Church. I was completely transparent and truthful at that position. My wife and I have lived a spiritual-slash-Josephite marriage and truly love each other and live together as brother and sister. Now, I don't know why that's the case, since you had your two previous marriages annulled. I don't know why you're living as brother and sister. Um, He writes, we pray together every day and live a life committed to our faith. We attend Mass as we must and confession every first Friday and as needed, etc. My wife has undergone hysterectomy and we are unable to bear children. Now, I don't know what your ages are uh, here. Recently, I listened to two presentations by a priest with census fidelium that left me greatly concerned for the state of the annulment process in the Catholic Church and wondering if I may be an adulterer and or if my sins may be responsible for my wife being an adulteress. In other words, he's saying if the, if the annulments he received were not um, effective, then his marriage would make him and his wife uh, adulterers. Um, And he says, I cannot bear the thought of being responsible for the loss of the soul of my wife, and I'm willing to do whatever is necessary to make this right. Well, before I read um, the rest of your email, um, I I don't know what you heard on census fidelium. It's a trustworthy um, apostolate. Um, I, I don't know what you heard that would make you doubt the validity of your annulments. But whatever that is, I would go to a good canon lawyer, a good priest, um, and um, tell them the process you went through, show them the decree of nullity that you received from the diocese. And uh, once and for all, let them tell you that it's valid or it's not, so you don't have to live in this agony that you're in. He continues, does being married and living as brother and sister constitute mortal sin? No, it does not. If you 
uh, you say you're living a Josephite marriage, but you would have had to have um, affected that under the priest, under the bishop, rather. So to be married and live as brother and sister, um, if you're truly married, I don't know why you're living as brother and sister. That should not happen uh, without a formal Josephite vow. Um, and the reason that people come together and live as brother and sister is because their marriage is not valid, which means you're not married. So either you're married validly, which means you don't have to live together as brother and sister, or you're not truly married if your annulments didn't were not valid. Um, and then uh, living together as brother and sister does not constitute mortal sin, no. Are the annulments valid? You're going to have to find that out. I don't know why you're questioning them, but you should have a degree of nullity from the, tri the marriage tribunal of the diocese, um, and you need to take that to a good canon lawyer priest and tell them your concerns and what you heard from census fidelium and, and get this settled. He says, we look at our situation as a gift from God and that our mutually consented celibacy is a penance for our sinful previous, previous lives. Well, that's fine if you want to put that on yourselves, but you need to find out if the, what the church, how the church sees you so you don't have to live with these questions. He writes, we are truly happy and our faith would never be what it is today without each other um, together in Christ. Thank you and God bless Brian and Edith. Okay, that's good. Um, but don't live that way. I can't answer you because I don't know the circumstances of your annulment. I don't know um, what you heard on census fidelium that would make you question if the annulment you received was valid or not. Uh, again, if you have a certificate of nullity, which, which says that the marriage never took place in the eyes of God, both your previous marriages never took place in the eyes of God, you have two degrees of nullity, um, take them to a canon lawyer, tell them why you're concerned, and go from there, and then um, um, and, and be confident and not worry about that, you're that you could be living in sin. Uh, Kimberly from Texas on the line. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Mother Marion. How you Hi. doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How about yourself? We're doing well. We're really doing well down here and stuff like that. The weather's hot and cold, but it's all good. We're doing well. well I'm in Texas now, so I know. Yeah. <laughs> great, great. Well, I just wanted to know, you know, God's will in my life right now. I'm currently homeschool my two kids. My husband loves us being here at the house. The kids are in high school. One's about to go off to college. And just God's will with the current situation. We run a small little audiobook business out of the house. Now talk a little coffee. slower, Kimberly. I know you want I mean, to get it all in. But talk a little yeah, bit slower. Hold on. Talk a little bit slower so I could follow you. Um, both your children, your homeschooling in high school? Correct, correct. And okay, that's good. Okay. In high school. And we're looking, we currently run a, it's more like a hobby, an audiobook business called 321 Voices. And we do Catholic audio work for the Companions of the Cross with uh, Father Mark Goring and Father Francis Frankovich. We attend the Catholic Charismatic Center here in Houston. But we're looking at wanting to move it over to a podcast, a Catholic uh, podcast with music, because I'm not as, like, my kids are going to be kind of, you know, leading, while well, my son's going to be leading, going to pursuing chemical engineering, and he's doing engineering work currently. And we do a lot of Catholic audio, uh, radio work, um, we do radio work, volunteer work here in Houston for our Looper Radio Network. But my concern is, is as we're leading, they said, Mom, you, you'll be better 
ever off, even though I do talk fast with a podcast, but I want to know if it's God's will because I don't want to do something that's not God's will. I just want to know what's God's will in my life at this time. I'm about to turn 50, and so it's like changes and seasons in my life. And my daughter is a sophomore in high school, will seem to be a junior when he leaves, she'll be a junior. And she's uh, doing doing uh, Catholic homeschool, uh, doing online work uh, to look at being a, a, um, a bookkeeper when she graduates from high school through a, through a 100% online uh, junior college, but also doing uh, Catholic co-op as well. So she's doing How does your husband feel about you doing the podcast? Right now, he's not sure yet because he knows I'm doing the audio work with the 321 Voices. It hasn't been as successful as I thought because I'm not very social media aspect. It's not my cup of tea. So he's like, well, Kim, you know, uh, the kids are leaning more toward podcasts. My husband's not certain. That's what I'm concerned about, just not the certainty of not knowing what to do. Well, I would say, Kimberly, um, your husband's support is the most important thing right now. Um, and so I would suggest that the two of you pray a novena together. Pray a 54-day novena to Our Lady. If you're not sure about 54-day novena, look it up on the line. Look it up online, 54-day novena. You simply pray the day's rosary for this major intention for 54 days and let Our Lady confirm to his heart and yours what's to be done. Our Lady will answer that novena. But pray a novena together and let your husband be at peace about it. God bless all of you and we'll have a wonderful weekend.